At least we're not short of stuff to talk about this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the 206th episode of the Internet's Finest English Language Podcast. I am Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week by Andres Bruckner. Hello. By English Dan. Hello and welcome. Uh, by Federico... I've forgotten your name again, Lopez. Lopez Canas. That's it, thank you. Uh, who is very happy at the moment because Boca Juniors, since we last recorded, and certainly since Fede last recorded, have sealed... Um, a domestic league and cup double the first time in a very long time in Argentina possibly ever but then again the Copa Argentina hasn't existed for the vast majority of that time so no it was done a few his, times in the amateur era like. twice yeah. historically one way yeah. um, oh sorry no twice in the 60s no I'm talking about before when they had were, amateur cups and there were a bunch leagues. of different cups now we're, cups, now we're so capping yeah. the amateur era um, as normal as it should be I'm but, sure uh, been a few. Indeed, proper genuine league and, and national cup doubles are rare things in Argentina, so congratulations, Fede. We will obviously be talking about that in a very few short minutes. But first of all, a note from our sponsors. The Argentina Independent are paying for our alcohol today, and they are a fine source of English language news, current affairs, photographic essays, historical pieces, and lots of other interesting stuff on Argentina and the rest of Latin America. And you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com or follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indie. We thank them very much indeed for Fernet and uh, the beer in Fernet's case as well. Um, and now, a repasso of last weekend's results. For some reason, I've got this weekend's matches up on the screen. Here we go. Last weekend went as follows. Sarmiento de Junín 1, Nueva Chicago 2. Godoy Cruz 1, Colón de Santa Fe 3, Belgrano 2, Estudiantes de la Plata 1, Gimnasia 1, Atlético de Rafaela 0, Vélez Sarsfield 0, River Plate Reserves 1, Unión de Santa Fe 0, San Martín de San Juan 0, Racing Club 3, Crucero del Norte 0, Newell's Old Boys 1, Lanús 1, Quilmes 2, Huracán 1, Banfield 2, Rosario Central 1, Boca Juniors 1, Tigre 0, San Lorenzo 2, Tempele 0, Aldo Civi 1, Independiente 0, Arsenal de Sarandí 1, Defensa Justicia 0, and at the match that I was at, Argentinos Juniors 0, Olimpo de Bahia Blanca 1. That was a very strange match, that one, but it's not the one that we should uh, begin by talking about, because uh, the reason we're recording on Thursday this week is that on Wednesday evening was the Copa Argentina final, Last year, we actually recorded over the Copa Argentina final when Rosario Central were beaten by Huracan. Um, this year, we decided to delay recording uh, of it, principally because this year we didn't forget that it was on, as we did last year. Um, well, it got a s- slightly more media coverage this year than, yes, I know, I than last, why. I would say. <laughs> I wonder why. Yes. Um, the reason, of course, was that Carlos Tevez's Boca Juniors were in that final. They were playing Rosario Central, and uh, they won that one 2-0 as well. So, well done, Boca. 
Um, first of all, th- there was controversy in the Copa Argentina <laughs> final. Just a bit. If you're listening to this, then you're probably already aware of that fact if you're interested enough in Argentine football to be listening. Um, we will move on to the controversy, I think, in, in a few minutes and sort of discuss that. But first of all, let's just I- I- ignore it, pretend it's not there, because I, it would be a shame, I think, um, and I'm saying this even as a river sympathiser, but it would be a shame to to allow that to overshadow um, the good work that's been done in Boca in 2015. Um, first half of the year was a bit underwhelming, really, but the second half has been much better, no, Fede? I mean, well, how do you feel? You're the champion yeah. here, so I'll let you speak. I'm still not sold uh, on Arena. Uh, I mean, he may prove me wrong, and I hope he does. Uh, I think... Uh, what changed everything was Tevez, obviously. Uh, he he brought a, a winning mentality to, to, to his teammates. And uh, he played like the, the final four matches with an injury or kind of an injury. They, they, didn't, tra- they didn't disclose that. But, uh, I mean, it was a, a great boost to the team. And uh, I think we have to be thankful that, that he's... Uh, part of our team and also part of the league and uh, that's what I take from these uh, two new stars for us yeah he I mean when Tevez uh, rejoined Boca I think we all agreed at the time that he was going to be just too good for the Argentine league basically and that's exactly how it's proved to be um, I think it's just something about Tevez I've never thought he's the best player in the world or you know a guy that stands out every game for what he does in the way he uh, Mexican or even Aguero now um, he's really come on but you just can't argue with with the statistics and I, I saw um, a brilliant mock-up of of the Simpsons the other day with on one of the Twitter accounts that does these kind of things with uh, Carlos Tevez is Troy McClure saying hi I'm Carlos Tevez you might remember me from such championship winning seasons as Boca Juniors yeah, 2002 <laughs> Boca Juniors 2003 Corinthians 2004 Corinthians 2005 Man United 2006, 7, 8, Manchester City 2000, and just keep going on. And that was actually from the day he arrived at Boca. And this was like, just updating it. And add on the league. So now I'm guessing on Wednesday, you can add on the Copa Argentina. The amount of titles the guys won is just incredible. And it it can't be coincidence. As I say, he's not, he's never going to be the best player in the world for for my, my taste, but he's got something that just makes him an asset to, to any team I, I think that there's a, a danger as well because he's a player that we've probably spent more time on hand of pod attacking than defending in this way principally because when we've talked about him more often than not until he rejoined Boca we were talking about him for the national mm. team and for the national team he, I mean, he really isn't good enough um, and, and, and for whatever reason he's, more he's than never anything quite is, shown the same level perhaps not for, just a case of being clubs, good enough it's like he's never had that kind of that position because I think he's that's played alongside Messi and I think both Messi and Tevez need a team to be built kind of to their to their specifications to their to their Brandon, uh, yeah. to their well, strikings yeah but I'm not sure that that's necessarily true though because in, in Tevez's case I, I can see why you why you said of Messi and particularly why Argentina's plan needs to be how to get the best mm-hmm. out of Messi but Tevez I think is um, He's adapted to secondary roles. Precisely, yeah. And I mean, yesterday, for example, uh, in the Copa Argentina final, was a fantastic example where once Boca had the lead, 
Um, we'll discuss how they came about that lead a little <laughs> later, as I say. But once they had it, um, even though Thomas himself didn't have that great a game, and also his strike partner, Jonathan Caleri, both of them were actually, I think, kind of anonymous to a large extent. Um, but they were able to, and Thomas particularly, were able to, to take the pressure off their teammates, in spite of the fact they were getting almost no help from midfield. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that was a, 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 a team that was... Uh, that have been built around Tevis in any way. No, not so much built around because it's a short time, but playing through him, definitely. Like, sure. He is that, that still point of entry to the attack. But okay. I, I, I really can't name that many games that were won because of Tevis or because he had a very mm. a great individual effort. Uh, the Argentinos game comes to mind. He scored twice mm-hmm. there. Uh, but then uh, I, I really can't think of a game that we won because of Tevis and maybe we would have drawn or lost uh, had we not had him. So I think that the other aspect, the emotional aspect, mm. or whatever you want to call it, uh, what he brings to the to his teammates is as important or even more important than what he contributes uh, playing. I, I think what, what you say about the, the injuries, it's key, because he yeah. proved he can play injured or, or semi-injured, and, 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 well, he had no problem of doing it, and that's, that's, a, that's an example mirror for for other players or kids or whatever to say, well, I am playing because I have this t-shirt and I like to do it. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, we did some details, like for example, against Lanús in the semi-final of Copa Argentina, when there was a penalty for awarded to Boca mm-hmm. and Ladero was about to, to kick it. I think Araujo went, went to, to talk with Lodeiro just to put him nervous. And, and Tevez went there and, and, and said, who 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 you are and, and what do you want and, here, yeah. and let's see if you are so brave outside <laughs> of you. So that, that, those things that for the rest of the team are like well Tevez is here he will yeah what they call in in Spanish a referente like is yeah. a yes. referente he's, of he's the team obviously the leader of the team yeah. and the squad and he has taken pressure off his teammates and of uh, the manager as well mm-hmm. and and everyone and talking uh, after before, before and after the matches like he I am the one who will talk and, and the other players and always talking with yeah with yeah. thinking what he's saying and even making Catadias a, a good man <laughs> he's a very bad man and, and yeah. with this he's like Tevez talking yeah. made uh, made other players like uh, uh, and well not, not the case of Gago who talked uh, the other yeah. day but well sensibly yeah. no I can I can see a lot of parallels this season with Boca since Tevez came in uh, with what happened last season in Racing with the arrival of Diego Melito so he had a, a brilliant season uh, on his own but apart from that you could just see what he brought to the team in the emotional sense in getting the young players rolled up in keeping everyone together when Racing had um, a bad time he, he managed to make better players of, of the guys he had around him of uh, Gustavo Bo of Ricardo Centurion Auchi and these kind of guys and they just exploded with Melito and I think yeah it's part what they bring to the team you know as a pure talent and psychologically as well having yeah. such a such a leader on the field even if these guys, Melito Tevez, they're not the most vocal guys. They're not, you know, they but don't have to go around busting heads and everything. But it's just something, you know, leading by example, and it's, I, it's I fantastic. Insist, sorry, I insist that for me, it's, of course, during the matches in the, in the in the pitch was important. But I think it had something more, even more important outside outside the pitch, mm. because uh, when when against Racing they lost three one, 
on, on uh, yeah speaking about on, on reprimanding his his teammates because uh, Boca went to, to man down the, that game uh, red cards and Catadias were sent off and uh, yes he, he publicly complained about that and his teammates saying it's it's Tevez it's okay it's yeah. no oh. and they wouldn't have taken that from any other player no. yeah So yeah, I, I I would agree. I mean, obviously he he contributed a lot in the field and he scored a lot of goals in the, the 15, 20 games he played since his since his arrival. Seven in, in, in the 15, league, something like that. In, right? in the league, it was uh, five goals in 12 matches. Five and games, scored yeah. a couple in the Copa yeah. Argentina. So, so say seven in fifteen, sixteen. So obviously Not that ca can't be understated no. uh, either. But the, the the impact and the pressure he took off his teammates and uh, took on himself. Uh, and and also, I mean, uh, looking the other way around it, uh, had we not had Tevez, I, I'm doubtful we would have won either of the two tournaments. I, I wrote um, a piece on ESPN FC today about it, actually, and I, I said that I could um, I could have seen them winning the Copa Argentina without him. It's very difficult to see them staying ahead of the pack. And, Particularly and the way that Central have been going in the last few weeks, San Lorenzo are picking up. And overcoming a bit of, of tough defeats against San Lorenzo and Racing yeah. in the middle, and uh, winning a tough game against River, uh, the first one after the, the Libertadores uh, controversial. But, but on, after oh. after Racing defeat, uh, you you may think he was arrogant, but saying it's okay, he said T.T. Fernandez, the the the, the pitch the journalist. journalist. <laughs> We are going to, to, to be champions, become champions next week. It's okay. So yeah. they were confident enough to... I, I, do agree, I, I agree with that. And I think Orion is also, a, even though I don't like him as much, a leader of the team. Uh, but I don't know if, if we would have arrived at that position uh, without Tevez. Uh, I think maybe the blow against San Lorenzo would have been too hard for the team to... To recover from without uh, a yeah, guy. That game, of course, was without Tevez. Exactly. So that, that makes <laughs> being Tevez in the starting lineup make the the arrivals and the defenders being so aware of him mm -hmm. that he perhaps doesn't pay attention to the other the other attacking. Yeah, and Caleri has profited from that as well. Yeah. Which which brings us on to the next question that I wanted to ask, which is: Have Boca been a one-man team in mm. all of this? Because no, not at all. It's, not at all. It, uh, in many occasions, they've sort of they've failed to really impress in a lot of their matches in spite of grinding out the results um, who else do we want to give some praise to then what I've seen during the season like, they've had these guys step up perhaps not the whole season but, but yeah. for enough stages you could say at the start of the season you had Daniel Osvaldo who also kind of uh, played this role of attracting all the attention taking off his teammates yeah, but not in the same leadership leader. not in the same uh, way but yeah. kind of through his, his kind of personality and no, he took a lot of Uh, focus off scores and goals. Uh, I thought Lodeiro um, had a in the, in the final of the season. very good season. He had you know steps yeah, since the river match, and, uh, but he really came through at the end. Uh, Meli as well, another guy who who had a decent season. Like, I think. I mean, I, I'm on record uh, disliking Meli here uh. in the head of pod. Um, <laughs> He's not a bad player. I mean, I, I don't want to go too hard on him, but uh, he really can't pass the ball. That, that's my, my main issue with, he, with Milley. He strikes me as being one of those players who came... When he first broke into the Boca first team, he had a couple of really impressive matches. Yeah. Um, particularly in, in that Super Classico in the pouring rain in the league uh, yeah. a year ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I think that those have kind of stayed in everybody's minds ever since then. And so now when Melly comes off the bench or when he starts, people will think, oh, this, he's a decent midfielder. He can, uh, and there's a, a kind of an element then of confirmation bias. Whenever he does something decent, it's because he's a decent midfielder. 
And people don't tend to notice the fact that most of the time, actually, he's not doing mm. stuff that's I mean, he, he's not awful. I, I, mean, I would agree no, that he's, he's not a bad player yeah. at all. And he's, he's a player I, I quite like his, kind of, his style, but he doesn't really manage to impose it yeah. as often as I would like to see him. I, I really can't name what he brings to the team. He's not a, a very good attacking player at all. He doesn't have a good uh, passing skills. He doesn't have such a decent pace. I mean, he has a lot of work rate, maybe, or stamina, whatever you want to call it. He doesn't defend that well either. I mean, he's not a classical number five who will, I don't know, recover the ball or tackle a player without fouling him. So really, I mean, what are you left with then? Uh, yeah, he's maybe some, a decent all around player. I mean, yes, he works hard. I, I, such I, a, such like Monson, for example. I think. Oh well, yeah, Monson well, is a different discussion, I would well, say. He finally ended up the the the, the tournament uh, doing it quite well. When everyone, I think every Boca supporter was, mm. what is Monson doing in this team? <laughs> and, and finally, well, uh, great long shots and, and perhaps good, uh, good attacking. Uh, 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 it's like more uh, an attacking right I, left I, back. I, I, I really like Monson much more than Colasso in, in the mm. oh, yeah. right left back plot. in the left back position. I would say that 90, 95% of the time, Monson is a very decent player, one of the best left-backs in the league, I would say. But that 5% when he, I don't know, loses his concentration or whatever, it always turns up being an, uh, a goal conceded. So, I mean, if and it's the same thing that happened before he went to Europe. <laughs> if, he, if he could manage to, to work around that and stay focused for the full 90 minutes, he would be a very decent player and he maybe wouldn't be here. Uh, but he has that 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 part of the game where he loses focus and, and you you tend to concede a goal in that uh, in that loss of concentration. Now we've reached the point where we have to um, discuss Boca Juniors' real man of the match uh, on Wednesday night. I'm saying this with a smile on my face, but they don't take offence. But uh, I've just gone down out of curiosity while Freddie was talking and counted up. Or rather, counted down the Ole homepage to see how far, how many stories I could get down before there was one that didn't mention or wasn't in some way referring to the referee. Uh, I've so far reached eleven, and we're still going. So we've got twelve, thirteen. The fourteenth story is about Pablo Perez telling journalists that uh, Boca were fully deserving of both titles. I think the implication there is that we know what question he was probably asked beforehand, but let's say that that one doesn't refer to the referee in the headline. The first 13 stories on the Olay webpage refer to the refereeing in the Copa Argentina final, which, I mean, I wanted to see Boca lose this final as much as any non-Boca fan, but I'm not really sure that that's an entirely proportionate response. But then again, we're in Argentina, so when can't we expect an entirely proportionate response? This is why Dan and I moved here, because we love it. And... um, you know, in so many ways, it's, it's why this podcast has managed to keep going for five years almost. So we're not going to complain, but at the same time, we should probably mention it. Um, there were there was one howling error in the officiating uh, of the Copa Argentina final, and there were two. Well, there was one mistake, I think, but it was an understandable mistake. And then there was another call, which was a controversial one, but which I personally think was was a correct one. Um, See what you're there. The <laughs> let's go through them in order. I'll go through them first and then I will ask each one of you for what you thought was the case. For me, Rosario Central had a goal um, disallowed with, I think it was about 35 minutes or so in, from a free kick. 
Uh, Marco Ruben headed in, but it was disallowed because Marcelo Larondo, Rosario Central's other striker, had been just offside when the ball was played. In my opinion, very narrow call, but I think it was it was justifiable. It, that's that's one that. Uh, but if Larondo didn't make contact with the ball. This, thought, this is the thing. Right? I, this thought, thought, I, was, I this thought Ruben was offside as well, marginally. Ruben was Ruben was level, right? But the the thing is that this is one of those laws which, which and I, I looked them up to see which which laws the AFA were, were going with. The, obviously, the, the Copa Argentina started the, in the first half of 2015, so the rules we're going with the 2014-15 FIFA rules. I looked them up on the AFA website to see what they actually said in Spanish, rather than just looking them up in English on the FIFA site. Um, and there is room for interpretation. It depends entirely on whether the referee and the linesman interpreted La Ronda as attempting to interfere with play. Mm-hmm. I would say he was doing, because if he doesn't go for that ball, he frees up space for a couple of Boca defenders. Maybe one of them manages to put Ruben off enough to sky his header. Maybe one of them even manages to beat him to the ball. I'm, I'm not saying that I definitely think it was a completely correct call, but it's justifiable. Um, so I think that the amount of anger let's say that, that Chacho Caldet the Rosario Central manager showed at that to get himself sent off is certainly no but I think that came that came afterwards right like, well it came right but, after that call but it was yeah, still on it's the side yeah. so that, that for me was an overreaction um, to, to skip forward one Andres Chavez's um, second goal for Boca was offside but I mean that was marginal I didn't see that as a Nailed on sign that Boca had bung the referee an enormous amount of I money. I think the problem right? was you didn't it, give again, one before for the other side, and then precisely. almost identical offside, you give it in favour of and, Boca. And and that's, exactly. that's, that's the thing really that doesn't look great. So, yeah. and it's the same linesman. So on the one hand, they're two, well, one one understandable error, mm. but it doesn't look great set aside the other. The one that was really um, insane was, no, was the penalty call. Scandal. Um, where was it? Lodeiro was taken down. Uh, Perusi. Perusi, Perusi, thank you. Yes. Well, Gino Perusi was cutting into the box, was brought down uh, by Pinola. Mm. Yeah, no, it wasn't Pinola because Pinola got put for something else. Yeah, right. as a left back. Yeah, by, by the, the right-footed guy. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Should have brought this up beforehand. But anyway, by, yeah. by Rosario Central's left back, as Vela says, um, four or five yards outside the area. Mm. Diego Sebastos, the referee, was standing ten yards away and looking right at it. And he gave a penalty for Boca, which ended up being the penalty from which Lodeiro put the uh, the champions 1-0 up. Um, and of course, that then changes the match. Um, anyway, uh, I, sorry, Caudet, uh, aren't were new. I think that he was sent off, he became sent off and, 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 and protested a lot about the, the, the goal that was disallowed. Not because only because of the goal, but because... Previously, when he went to play to Salta against Racing, he wanted to play at San Juan, where Boca went to play. Mm. Christian Michagra, by the way, was the central yeah, yeah. Carry on. Uh, so, because he, he thought that the San Juan uh, pitch was in better conditions than Salta, and after that he said, well, if you want to choose the, the stadium, it's okay, but don't take us... For as as we are still on on an entirely unrelated level, I'd like to say something about the choice of stadium. I have a, a, a tablet. Uh, I don't have a smartphone, but I have a tablet. I've got a computer. I've got internet access. Basically, is what I'm saying. I'm showing off. Um, and on these devices, I'm able to search for um, the this wonderful thing that's existed now for several decades, not just on the internet, called a weather forecast. Yes. 
you can get forecasts that are pretty reliable as much as 10 days in advance to give you some idea of what the conditions in the city are going to be. Right. So how do the AFA decide to put the final in Cordoba about a week and a half before the final's actually played? No, I'm pretty sure it had already well, been were, decided. Was, no, they didn't, they didn't announce it until then. They, they didn't announce it, but I'm sure it was they, already they, they were talking about putting it in Mendoza or Cordoba. Or La Plata. Or possibly La Plata or San Juan. Mm-hmm. And they announce it for a city that a week and a half after they've announced it and two days before the match has torrential downpours. The pitch was unplayable. This is entirely unrelated to any of the refereeing yes. controversy. Sorry, I, just, I was reminded of it by Andres' comments on choosing the state. I think, it, I mean, first, the, the weather forecast isn't that accurate here, I would say. No. <laughs> I went up but to then, uh, then again, last I think weekend. It said it was going to rain the entire weekend. I didn't, and we didn't have a drop of rain. So, so I wouldn't I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't take that into account. And change your game's venue in... By virtue of the weather forecast two weeks But then again, I, I mean, I think it's part of the game. It, it, yeah. The pitch was awful for both teams, so... Mm. And it was supposed to be... Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that this favoured Boca or, or favoured yeah, Central or whatever. Yeah. I'm just saying it seemed a bit daft to me. No, it was that they waited venue. until the week and a half. That's maybe your your English mentality. But yeah. here we we kind of make fun of the the weather forecast yeah. guys because they never... No, they never go. Plus, yeah. <laughs> plus a Mario Kempis is a... Gorgeous, gorgeous stadium. Yeah, I think it was a good choice. Like staged, it looked lovely. It was, and looking at great. Boca and Rosario Central, and I think that it was like a, a, a middle ground for them in yeah, instance wise. So, yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not gonna argue about no, that. No, I'm, I'm not with you there. So. Uh, good talking about Codet and following up on, on, on Andres's uh, comments uh, about him. I mean, it is his style to to complain and to play the underdog position, especially because he is kind of an underdog with Rosario Central. I, I, I'll give him that. Uh, but uh, it wasn't trial who asked for Sebastius to referee this match so mm. I mean uh, what, what can I add to that yeah no it was it was a shocking decision and I think it's gonna dog Sebastius for uh, for a long time we know we but saw today he was mobbed by reporters in the had it not been Sebastius I mean who who, no, who, who, who would you have picked I mean there, there is no one referee that is clearly above the the, the others, and they all may mix, make mistakes. And no, it's fun to make a mistake. It was it was the level, kind of the severity of the mis- the mistake. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not the fact it happened in the area, and you have to decide whether it was a tug shirt, whether it was very very marginally a penalty, even if it happened in the box, and it happened visibly two outside three meters outside the box. This. I don't know. The, the other thing, of course, which ties in with what Fede said a minute ago is which referee, apart from just which referee would you say is significantly better, which referee can you think of who who wasn't going to get it right in the neck for massively favouring one side or the other anyway? Particu- no, of course. Particularly no. if that team happens to be Boca or, you know, in another world if River had reached yeah. the final, um, then, then River, or any big five side, I guess, against any non-big five side, you're always going to get somebody saying, oh, but they won it because the referee favoured them. No, no I mean, of course. In this happen. case, it doesn't help that actually there was a pretty fucking horrendous mistake <laughs> which favoured the big five side uh, and ended up being being decisive in the match. And we but, know it's um, not easy for referees. You can imagine when Perusi's kind of turned in, he's boring down on goal, he's got La Dose, the, the Boca fans at his back, and he goes down and you get... A massive roar. Like we don't know watching it on TV or even in the stadium what that's like for a ref. You know, you see someone go down, mm. and all of a sudden you've got twenty five thousand people shouting "penal, penal, penal, conchetuare, penal." <laughs> like 
that's the pressure, and I think there it comes in, uh, the experience. Uh, I agree. I mean, it, it was an awful call. I mean, yeah. there's nothing to argue here, but and we all agree. That's where the experience comes in to kind of block out those noises. Exactly. And, you know, think, uh, no, wait, it was miles outside the area. Shut up, 25,000 Bokka yeah. fans. Partic- uh, particularly as well, when that call happened for the central goal 10 minutes before the end of the first half, as the refereeing team, you've probably become aware now during the break that that was questionable and as I say yeah, I, I'm actually yeah. on the linesman side there and, and I think it was justifiable but you've probably become aware that there is at least an argument for saying that he was wrong and that might be at the back of your mind as well then when you're saying to okay hang on this is a really big call it's not a make-up call in fact it's the very opposite of a make-up call but maybe it affects the, the judgment as well none of us have been professional yeah. referees yeah. so yeah. I can't say I have been, I've, I've done linesmaning for a university league match and it's I can say that's, that alone is, is really one of the hardest hard. things I've ever done I found it yeah, much yeah, harder well, than getting we have, we have a, ca- a case uh, a recent case in England with Tottenham match with the, the McDean referee uh, celebrating goals of that team so <laughs> there, there, are, there are things uh-huh. that are even weird more, more, more strange uh, that, than mm. A, a, a bad uh, decision of a referee, which mm. is well, you are you are saying that you want a team to win. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say Sebastian here, but I think if we continue as I mean as a sport to neglect technology the way FIFA right. has, I think we're going to continue to discuss uh, human errors that will continue to happen. Some are bigger errors than. Yeah. No, no, but uh, if you looked at the Rugby World Cup that finished uh, last week and the way uh, the the rugby world has uh, has used technology to make a better sport than a fairer sport, uh, why are we not taking that into although, consideration now? Although even in the Rugby World Cup, there was one match which was obviously decided the Australia Scotland uh, yeah. quarterfinal. It's not perfect. Uh, obviously, it's not perfect. It's much better than when we did when they didn't have that that kind of technology trying to support the referees because they are humans. They are gonna continue to make mistakes. The thing is trying to uh, when they make mistakes have the technology and the capabilities to but to help him. The problem is that that is if you doubt about a, a decision here, the the Rosario Central disallowed goal. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a doubt there because the 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 assistant, the lineman and and the referee. I love the goal. And, and the other thing is that with precisely that goal is the other thing. That if the guy looking at the camera then, if there, if there, if there is a doubt and the guy sitting up in the studio, I guess, looking at, at the various mm-hmm. angles, decides, you know, then, then you're bringing another person's interpretation into it, which is why the, the whole point of that law and, and, and the reason that it affected that goal call and why I say it's defensible is because it depends entirely on how the linesman and the referee choose to interpret whether that wrong does interfering with play or not. But the, um, that all if a fourth person, the fourth official or the fifth official or whoever, it's then disagrees opinion. with that, then you bring somebody else's in, and the referee's word has to be final. Uh, but that, no, that's what happens in the game. point of view, it, and then it's ultimately up to the referee to but, make. But when they use a video, when they use a video referee in rugby, it's 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 when um, it's when a call is, is black or white. And the no, 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 but no, no, but no. it's also, oh, it, it can also be a kind of for now. Right? I mean, when it's try or no try, and you have a pile of twenty guys in in, in a square mm. yard, I mean, it's it's also a matter of interpretation. Yeah. And like with, uh, uh, with the Argentine second row in the in the semi final, he did the tackle. Yeah, and he was exactly. He did, he, 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 exactly. It if it was a legal tackle or not, and it was Lavanini. I mean, Yeah, we're getting off topic here. I think that's a case of interpretation, but. You can still advise. 
So well, obviously, the, the, the referee's interpretation is gonna is of the utmost importance in these cases. But having the possibility to, to replay that 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 call, I, I mean, if, if Sebastian had seen the penalty again, he would say, okay, this is not a penalty. Play on. I mean, it's a, a foul, yeah. but two minutes inside the area, and we wouldn't be talking about this, and we would be talking about whatever the final result would have but been. But it, it would be use, useful, I think, whether to decide if there was a penalty or not because of the line, mm-hmm. and the, if, there, if there was. Goal or not goal, like there is actual, actually yeah. something like that, but not if there was offside or not, because that why not? There I you mean, have to decide whether it was in the same line or or. or but it's the same. I mean, this the, the referee's interpretation will difficult. be the same with the same uh, concepts, but he will have a lot more angles and a lot yeah. more time to decide. And he will say, okay, yes, Larona tried to interfere with the play; it's an offside, or no. I mean, he was offside, but he didn't touch the ball, so it's a goal. And uh, his interpretation will be the same, but he will have more more information to take that that decision. Mm-hmm. So I, I I can't think of uh, of a reason why not to implement the uh, the replays or whatever in this kind of situations. Not for every aspect of the game. It is useful, but more useful is to have better referees. Uh, I, I, I had to disagree with this, that. This is something actually that yeah. I brought up um, a couple of years ago. I don't know whether I ever mentioned this on Hand Upon, but I interviewed Horacio Alessandro once, and uh, and I asked him about it, and he said he, he kind of fell down somewhere between the two. He, he said that he would like to see technology used for stuff that's not debatable. Has the ball crossed the goal line? Uh, is this a goal kick or a corner or a or a throw-in or whatever, stuff like that. When it comes down to interpretation, he, he pretty much agree, agree with Andres. We need to train referees better um, to better be able to make decisions and but to then, train them on their technique better as well as just their decision-making. But then 90% of offside calls aren't like that. It's a straight. Exactly. Is he forward or is he in line? And even in... That's, exactly. I mean, this is a very it's, rare case. There, there's also an extent too which you could say that it could be solved by just simplifying the offside rule to say that if the player doesn't touch the ball... Yeah, it's not, not an offside. Just do away with intention. If or he doesn't touch the ball, he doesn't touch the marker. As it then used to be, fine. because yeah. under the old offside rule a few years ago, it was a goal. Mm-hmm. Under the current offside rule, as I said, like, Maybe. Yeah. I actually agree with the linesman. I don't think it was a goal, but it took several replays and you know quite a lot of debate. Yeah. Somehow, actually... somehow you have you already have some video ref. Like it happens in rugby when you have a big doubt of a play, whether it was or not offside, for example, and you have to watch it. Three or four times, and the commentator is, oh, it was offside. Oh no, it wasn't. Or well, there in that case, you. Then rugby's I, rugby's different. It's a, it's a lot more complex of a sport. You have thousands of bodies chucked in. You've got hands here, hands there, legs here. Football is a lot more clear cut. You're never going to have the case that twenty guys go down in the corner and you have to work out who put the ball mm-hmm. down. It's usually the well, striker, yeah, yeah. And the defender, and uh, the keeper. In, on paper it should be a lot easier but I think I see on both sides uh, some sort of video technology now that we have it and it you know my doubt with video technology is that it slows the game down a lot and, I agree but I mean but how many minutes were wasted after the, exactly, the yeah. penalty because the Rosario players were all complaining to the referee mm-hmm. and then Cody was sent off I mean it would have been the same time and, and Sebastian exactly. after the first replay would say okay this is not a penalty the Boca players wouldn't even have had the chance to argue because they would have seen that it was two minutes of side yeah now the balance has shifted it. now it's a lot as, easier as, to as go well as, to as well as just penalty, you could say exactly the same thing about the disallowed central goal because there were complaints after that and so on as well yeah so yeah um, cool. I think that, that we have reached the, the limit of how long we can talk about that for so let's very quickly <laughs> really your has been going all day like, I know yeah. done only 20 minutes but I want to talk about some of the other <laughs> matches as well nah. because we're a weekly podcast and there have been other games played if you're wondering by the way where our mention is of the Copa Sudamericana semi-final um, 
we decided that that was less important than the final of the Copa Argentina, so that's being played uh, in about an hour. We're trying to finish off in time for Andres to get home in time to watch it uh, between River and Huracan. Um, the second leg isn't going to be to the end of the month anyway, so we've got a while to sort all that out. So don't worry, we've not forgotten about it. Um, but other matches that took place at the weekend. First of all, on Friday night, maybe Chicago beat San Riento to keep their relegation hopes alive. Colón have made themselves safe with a 3-1 win against Godoy Cruz away on the same evening. Um, but then, I said last week that if Colón won, Chicago went down. I had forgotten that Huracán and Tempele are both safe. still in the mix as well. Mm-hmm. And they both lost. They Huracán lost 2-1 away to Quilmes. Tempele, pardon me, I burped while saying that. I've had too much grace too short a time. I do beg your pardon. Tempele lost 2-0 to San Lorenzo on Sunday evening. Um, and what that means is that this weekend, although in fact it's not this weekend, it's, it's, it's Monday. Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. um, if Nueva Chicago win and one of, or both of, Tempele and Huracan lose their matches, there will be a tiebreaker to mm. decide who goes down. Um, it's on Monday afternoon. I can only assume, because the AFA want as small a number of people as possible to attend all of the matches because there's such a huge and also because, of there being something security-wise. And also because Chicago doesn't have artificial lightning in uh, the stadium. Right. Yeah. There you go. So they, but they, in, they initially announced them as... Uh, uh, oh, hang on. They initially announced Temple is playing... Or Temple in Chicago is playing on Saturday and Huracan is playing on the Sunday. And then obviously uh, Chicago complained, I'm assuming, quite rightly. And because Huracan can't play before the Sunday... Uh, because of the fact they're playing tonight in the Copa Sudamericana semi-final they, they put all the games to 4pm on Monday and then they moved to forward half an hour for some reason uh, so they're now going to be at 3.30pm on Monday and in case you're wondering sense. just in case you're wondering Monday is not a holiday in Argentina so if you're a Chicago or a Temple and, and all three clubs are at home as well so if you're a Chicago fan a Temple fan or an Huracan fan and you're hoping to go to see what's going to be in the case of Chicago and Temple definitely your club's most important game of the season and in the case of Huracan, one of your club's most important games of the season, because of course they are in a continental semi-final at the same time as playing for relegation. Um, tough shit if you've got a job, I'm afraid. You're just going to have to call in sick. Chicago fans don't have jobs, right? Oh, let's not get into it. But um, I'm, I'm still hoping that Chicago do it. I yeah. like Tempele. I like, yeah, I'm hopeful, I, I yeah. like Huracan. But the way that Chicago have played in just the last few weeks... I really hope that they manage to pull it off because that would be um, lovely. Other games, uh, Venice are really rubbish, aren't they? Yeah, they are Awful. terrible. They, w- they would go down if we didn't have the, the average system, I think. Yeah. Mm. They, well, this season, difficult Inside to say. by Crucero and um, a few other. Is Crucero the worst team to ever play in the first division in Argentina? Oh, this is another thing because, in a way. If you go back to the old Nacional, I know in, in Una Valdosa has a brilliant list of. Yeah. Like, Failed first division teams. The, and there's ones the from Catamarca, was... there's ones from all over the place, like deepest, darkest, but, provincia. But they, they played a small amount of games in the Torneo Nacional. Crucero yeah. uh, played 30 and they lost yeah, their they 15 awful. away games, all of yeah. them. Not but I reckon in a way, I think because most... it makes a very good reading that yeah. the whole Balosa. But his, they are obviously in that category. Yeah. 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 In, in a way, knowing what we know about Racing and, and their famous uh, capacity to do a racing in any situation I was almost surprised that they actually managed to beat Crucero 
Look at Racing's home record. Because I know they've lost one been, home game the whole year. But historically, last year about one in. But historically, well. no, no, ex- exactly, and that's why historically speaking, it would have been absolutely hilarious if Crucero managed to get their only point of the whole year in their final away game away to Racing. No, um, you're talking about over Racing. As it is, this is new ra- well, Racing. It, it, with it really seems, you know, yeah. the fact that Racing Cold actually cut. managed to beat Crucero really makes me think that it is a new Racing. Um, but it really seems like they've they, they've been. The most consistent team in the league, Crucero del Norte. Yeah. Much as we've yeah, stuck yeah. Our, our, our feet into them, they've managed to lose more matches than Boca have won. Boca have 20 victories, Crucero have got 21 defeats. To be fair, yeah, they man. gave up 12 games. No, nah, but they are really awful. I, I was at the no, stadium in the match against it. Boca, and we were just 1 0 up, mm. and, uh, and I looked at those players and said, there's no way they're scoring goals. There's yeah. really was, no chance they, these teams going to score. And, and, and as we said, there was. There have been Crucero away showings against, for instance, Gimnasio when they got a very late equaliser and then conceded a, a later winner against San Lorenzo, where actually they were playing quite well. Against Boca, they played poorly. Yeah. And the, I mean, it was Boca's, I think, possibly Boca's worst performance of the year. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And yet you still beat them 1-0 well, well, and could have Racing, had two or three more. Racing didn't play well at all either, and they played a lot better, but... They were just so. They so don't so have a, a single quality. To I think Rosario Norte. Yeah. No, I think Rosario Norte wanted, wanted to score so much that uh, they scored. In fact, the goal against Boca own goal, of course. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, we're getting away from Fede's initial question, which is: Would Vélez have been relegated in a normal relegation system? The answer is no, because at the moment they're twenty fifth. Okay. Uh, and they are six points clear of Atletico de Rafaela, who are second bottom. So they are safe, They're even in a normal system. Venice, but well. all the same, Venice Sarsfield are 25th in the league. I mean, if we'd said that three years ago, it would have been sounded partly because there were only 20 teams in the league three years ago. <laughs> but if we, you know, for Venice to have fallen that far is a start. I mean, Lanús and Newells, for instance, who have been perennial title challengers and are now mid-table, have had very disappointing seasons by the, the standards we've come to expect of them. But Vélez, they've just changed their manager. Uh, Miguel Ángel Russo is standing down after the final match of the season, which is going to be for him this weekend, because they're not going to get into any um, any of the playoffs. Um, he's being replaced by Christian Bacedas, the Newcastle United legend. So And long-time manager. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes yeah, manager in Spanish rather exactly, than English. Yeah. Um, sort of sporting director figure. He's, he's making his first foray into in English management. Oh, look, he's done a very good job in... I think he's been there six years. Well, at the moment, they've got a team who are cut, cutting down on prices and have got a pretty rubbish... Yeah, I know, but yeah. taken before us in between 2009 and 2015. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Three titles or two. Yeah, a, lot a couple of good runs in the Libertadores as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so... No, it'll be interesting to see him. Obviously, he's going to keep promoting yeah. new players. I don't know if he, has, if he has the players to, to change this. I mean... A little dependent I would have played this on Russo. I mean... No, well, Russo kind of had it taken out of his hands because in the first half of the year, um, the the board made it very clear they were going to cut costs yep. and that they were going to be letting players go at the end of the season and midway through the season and so on. And so Russo's had to work with literally just a bunch of kids, plus uh, Leandro Somosa and Fabian Cubero, yeah. who, whilst they have got a tremendous amount of experience... Amilton and Amilton Caraglia. And Roberto Nani. But, but, but right. Somosa... Somoso and Cubero have got a tremendous amount of experience. Cubero has, has been a tremendous uh, servant to Vélez. He's, he's got the club's all-time record appearance um, record now, which, uh, which he took this year. But neither of them are what you would call sort of good role models for 
bringing players through when you want them to have play with some discipline. No, Cabrera in particular. Cabrera's had a very good season. Cabrera's had a spectacular number of red cards this year. He's a dirty. He's got five this season. He continued to play off two of which he managed to pick up whilst he should have been suspended because one of their international players got injured and therefore he had a suspension. So he ended up with an eight-match ban at one point because he got two red cards and a yellow and a five-match yellow five-yellow card. Anyway, on from Belles. Who are the other big five sides we've not mentioned? Independiente uh, lost. lost 1-0 away to Aldo Civi through a Jose Sand header, which means that Independiente still haven't Jose yet Sand. managed to um, secure home advantage in the playoffs. So I will be explaining the playoffs fully in just a minute because I've got a very good... And good season from Aldo Civi as well. The only, uh, against the big five, they only lost against Racing. Yeah. 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 They beat Boca and Independiente and uh, Drew River. Yeah, they've had... Um, I'm just going to bring it up very quickly now. They've lost a fair few matches, but the big games seem to be the ones that they're best yeah. at. And they've managed to lose, I think, more, far more away than at home as well. They've lost a couple, three at home. and For a team that doesn't have a huge amount of talent, uh, yeah. pretty impressive, yeah. They managed to make that away trip to they Mike. they got Sand, who against Independiente is... You can't score against anyone else, but... Luercio and Sand. Rocha Martinez that I liked in... Yeah, Rosa Martinez is decent. Yeah. But no, he's from Racing as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Banfield's got a 2-1 win against Rosario Central, yeah. which meant the, Thank these, you, Banfield, yeah. the, the three games that were played at the same time on Sunday were Banfield, Central, Boca, Tigre and San Lorenzo Tempele. Um, Gio Simeone was the one. Central's yeah. lost meant that Boca would have won the league even mm. if they'd lost to Tigre, but they won. Yeah, but uh, I was at the stadium this, this Sunday and uh, the Banfield goal was... Uh, I need, I know it yeah, got to yeah. the players. It was a relief to them. Yeah. Did you see the um, the disturbances as well before the game? Because I was with a guy on I didn't on Monday who turned up two and a half half hours early. He couldn't get in the stadium, and he had I gunshots, all sorts. Like, yeah, really I also easy. arrived two and a half maybe. And you got in okay. And I got in okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it was the other part of the stadium. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, it was maybe chaos. it was lucky, absolute, but absolute chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Banfield played very, very well against Central, better than they have for a few weeks, I thought. Um, Central were very peculiarly flat, but they surprisingly dropped uh, Ruben and La Rondo from their starting lineup and put Franco Niel and uh, Cesar Delgado up front. Now, Franco Niel is a player, a striker, who I think most of the teams in the league would love to have, so it's not exactly putting out a weak attack, but still, it was a gamble that obviously turned out not to pay off with the Copa Argentina result. Uh, San Lorenzo beat Tempele 2-0 which means they leapfrog Central into second place we'll get on to that in a bit because we're going to talk about Copa Libertadores qualification after the break and Boca got a 1-0 win over Tigre Tigre were I was expecting them to put up much stiffer resistance I thought Boca could have won by 2 or 3 in the end it was um, it was a strange match I mean I don't think Boca played particularly well mm. uh, the goal was from a from a corner kick yeah uh, but, but I mean I'm, I'm used to Tigre Having a go and sort yeah, of getting an, 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 an Alfaro team. Uh, and, some pace. and they didn't seem to do any of that, no, really. No. Was, I think they had three shots and none of them were on target. Not that I really remember. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll see if they're saving it up for Racing, as they always do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was expecting more as well. Uh, there were talks of uh, Rosario Central players uh, putting money uh, mm. so as to motivate the Tigre players. And also, Alfaro is, I think, a very good manager. And yeah. he, he, he has got some very good results uh, playing uh, uh, against us. But yeah, I mean, they, they didn't play very well. Uh, I think Boca controlled the match, and uh, that was it. Yeah. And on Monday night, as I said, I was at Argentinos versus Olimpo, which was a really strange match because 
the impression that I got from being at the stadium um, was that Argentinos had a lot of pressure over various points of the match and were slightly unfortunate to, to lose 1-0. Olimpo, I think, had... I mean, it seems like they didn't really have very much of uh, decent, very many decent chances, but they score from a penalty with about 10 seconds of first-half stoppage time remaining and won 1-0. And then I got home and checked the statistics on the Football Paradolos website and it said that Olimpo had had six goal-scoring opportunities and had something like 12 shots. Yeah, they were all over Argentina. Argentinas were dreadful. I can, Absolutely oh, dreadful. I thought both teams were pretty bad. No, I mean, Olimpo were right. Both of them were, giving, were forward, giving away yeah. so many passes in midfield. But Olimpo um, were superior. But easy. I couldn't remember. E- even you know, admitting that, that, that Argentinos should have done better than they could with, with the pressure they had, I couldn't remember Olimpo having anywhere near that number of no, attacks. No, no, they had a lot. It seemed, um, uh, Argentinos bizarre. were very lucky to get away with just a one goal of it. But it was in any case, Olimpo now are on a very decent run because uh, they beat San Lorenzo in the previous round, of course, 2-1 to end effectively San Lorenzo's title hopes um, and now have got their four games undefeated and have got three wins in that time and one draw. So well done them. Um, we're going to take a break now and refill our glasses and when we come back I'm going to talk just for a little bit about Copa Libertadores qualification because now that the Copa Argentina is over, you would think that the Copa Argentina place in the Copa Libertadores has been decided. But it hasn't, because this is Argentina. So, don't go anywhere. this weekend if the championship has already been decided and the Copa Argentina has already been decided um, I have here an email from Gustavo Berlingieri who works in Teixe Sports and also sends out circulars from time to time um, about uh, basically confusing positional things and quirks of the regulations and whatnot for competitions and he very kindly sent me one uh, I've joined his email list now a few days ago to tell us about who was going to be qualified for the Ligishas. Ligisha is We also Spanish. have dates for it. We've got some temp- tentative dates for it because some of that's going to depend on things as well. Which clashes with the runoff. Precisely. Precisely. Um, so, as I mentioned last week, uh, there, there are some dates that might not all match up and some competitions that might have had to end, although it's been simplified by the fact that Independiente went out to the Copa Sudamericana last Perhaps year. Perhaps not. Go on. Because if Huracán get relegated, they won't get the place in the Libertadores. They Is that too long? They do, because their place in the Libertadores is given to them by Conmebol, rather than by the Argentine FA. So Huracán are the only team who could get relegated and yet still play <laughs> next year's Libertadores, because it's not an AFA spot they're taking, even though they will qualify as Argentina 6. We're going to get on to this in a second. There are, there are, first of all, there are a few dates that there cannot be um, any uh, football on remaining in the year, and those are as follows. The 15th, the weekend of the 15th of um, November, uh, my birthday. Dan's birthday, and indeed the, the weekend on which Handa Pod will turn five years old, ah. um, there will not be any activity because it's a FIFA international date. On the 22nd, so a week after that, on the 22nd, just that day, mm. there will be a balotage, a runoff 
for the Argentine um, presidential elections, which means there won't be any football on that day, but there probably will be football played the Friday, the Saturday, and the Monday. Saturday as well? Um, possibly the Saturday. Well, that's that's up in Monday. the air still. But yeah. basically, the Friday and the Monday, at least, might be used for the, the initial playoffs for the Sudamericana. On the 29th of November is likely to be the first final of the playoffs, and the second final, in other words, the first leg of the second leg of the finals, um, are likely to be Sunday the 6th of December. Um, the reason that they've got to be tied up by that point is that on the 7th is when, the 7th of December, uh, that's the date that Agremiados, um, the, the Argentine Footballers Union, has stipulated that that's when the holidays begin. So no oh, football's should, played after that. Should belong to that union. If any of these, if any of these um, playoffs aren't decided by that point, whether it's because they can't sort out who's playing first, and that could happen for a number of reasons, which I'll get into in a second, then they will have to be played in January. I have a question, Sam. Go on. <laughs> it's not completely related to this, but it's a um, it's a discussion I was having with several of the of the guys I go to racing with. When will the um, Primera División start its next transitional tournament? What, oh, I think they have ten- provisional dates. There's a tentative date for that, and I will get onto it in a second. Don't worry. But Excellent. we will go through the uh, playoff possibilities first of all. Yes. We've got a number of teams who've already qualified for the Copa Libertadores. Argentina has um, six places in total. Uh, and th- at the moment, those are as follows. Argentina, number one. Uh, um, these are just the, the numbers on the balls, basically. But some of them will get direct qualification to the group stage and some will go into the playoffs. We don't know which ones precisely yet. But Argentina, one, who will go straight into the group stage, are River Plate because they are the champions of the Copa Libertadores. Mm. Argentina, number two, goes to the champions of Argentina, which is Boca. That Normally, obviously, Argentina, one, would be the champions of the league, but they get pushed down because an Argentine side won the Libertadores. Um, Argentina number three goes to whoever finishes runners-up in the league. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, San Lorenzo are in the driving space for that, but Central and Racing can both still finish in that position. Come Argentina on, number four goes to the winners of the Copa Argentina, but obviously Boca have already qualified um, via the league, and therefore that goes at the moment to Rosario Central. So Central are the one team, in fact... Logically speaking, you would think that Central are the one team who already know that they're in, mm-hmm. even though they haven't actually filled any of these qualification spots yet, because they will either finish second, therefore qualify via the league, or they'll finish as runners-up at the Copa Argentina if they don't finish second and therefore qualify via that. In actuality, Racing also know that they're through, because if Central finish second in the league, Racing get the Copa Argentina spot as Argentina 4, because they're of the two semi-finalists, they're the ones who are higher up the league. But San Lorenzo could still finish second. Yes, if San, if San Lorenzo finish second in the league, then Central finish in the... the oh, sorry, yeah, you're right. So I, uh, Racing haven't Don't get me excited started. like that, please. Sorry, sorry. Um, the playoff spot, the winners of the playoff um, will be Argentina 5. The Copa Sudamericana um, spot is Argentina 6, and that's the best Argentine side in the Sudamericana. Obviously, one of the semi-finals, which is going to be kicking off in... 35 minutes and we're going to try and get the rest of the pod wrapped up quickly so that Andres can leave um, but one of those uh, is River Plate who are already in the Libertadores which means that Huracan are already guaranteed their spot hence why we said a second ago that they can be relegated and go into the Libertadores and if Huracan win the Sudamericana by some miracle that doesn't free up another spot as best placed apart from Huracan no it's just one no spot. it doesn't okay um, so the remaining playoff spot to be decided that's not confusing at all is Argentina 3 which is the whoever finishes second that's a fairly straightforward runoff at the moment between San Lorenzo on 58 points Central on 56 Racing on 56 so that's very simple um, 
they will go directly into the group stage and they will play the Supercopa Argentina next year now against Boca really? because Boca will play against the runners-up of the league to decide the Super Cup champions. Um, the playoff <laughs> spot, the playoff spots go to the top four sides in the league who aren't already qualified. Um, so obviously, basically, pl- places three to six for the Libertadores, uh, minus any of the teams who are already qualified who managed to finish in those spaces. So Central. Central, for instance, finish fourth, then it will be placed as three to seven because Central already have it. Uh, they will be played uh, semi two semi-finals with the team who finish higher in the league playing at home, followed by a two-legged final because Argentina. And that, uh, sorry, as I'm reading, where I come from, example, could qualify to the Copa Libertadores and relegate. Yes. relegated at the same time or I can as I, as I say the only side who can get into the Libertadores and be relegated and what I mean by that isn't that it's just that they're the only ones for whom it's mathematically possible but also because they're qualified by the Sudamericana they're the only ones for whom it's it's possible within the rules as well um, the right so yeah we've got all that and then the Sudamericana gets pushed down another playoff place because of the fact that River are unlikely to finish in the top six or seven because they've not been paying attention to the league Uh, which means that everybody in the Sudamericana between a tentative 8th position and 20th position will go into the Copa Sudamericana playoff spots, um, which, again, will be a similar structure to the league. With the Copa Libertadores playoff spots, the losers from all those matches will also go into it, and they will throw up, um, I think it's six in total qualifiers. Fascinating stuff, no? And yeah, Dan, really. you asked a second ago about the beginning of the 2016 championship. I did, yes. I have a separate email from the To start. settle um, a bar discussion, let's say. At the moment, it looks like it's going to be kicking off on the 7th of February. But that is oh, entirely the same, as, the same as always. Exactly, yeah. basically the first weekend of February, uh, as it normally uh, is. I'm amazed at your uh, passion to try to understand this. As I said last week, mess. the only Argentine journalist who's... Because trying to understand the time what, to work out what the hell's going yeah, on. Yeah, because we, we which don't is possibly directly connected to the fact that I'm not Argentine. But yeah, possibly. But <laughs> yeah, I've, probably. I haven't yeah. even. I haven't taken yeah, I mean, but as I say, it's worth pointing out that I did get this email from an Argentine who's right. worked it all out, and I, I I wanted to use his explanation mostly because he had it much more clearly and, and more concisely written mm. than I. It was a good explanation. Next year we will. I think we will have to talk about English football so that we don't have this complicated. It's much easier. Yeah. It's a lot simpler to talk about. We'd, we'd have more competition then, though, so I'm not really sure that we'd... We have Argentine players there, so we can talk about the Eric Lamela, for example. And true. That's very uh, true. Was nah, there something else that we needed to talk about now before we go on to listeners' questions? Uh, I said there was something else, didn't I? You could... No, you've covered the relegation, right? The, I don't know if you mentioned the, the format. The format for the next tournament. The format for the next also tournament. awful. We mentioned a couple of times in recent yeah, episodes. But it's likely it's going to be two groups of fifteen. They've not yet decided whether there'll be an interzonal of, of yeah, classicals. Twice. They've uh, not yet decided whether there'll be a final to decide the championship. There's a lot of stuff that's not decided. There will be one team relegated in uh, June. Um, out of two groups. So there's a reason for that, that makes sense. Yeah. There's a reason for that, which when I read it, I seem to remember thinking, okay, that's ever so slightly less stupid than I thought it was going to be. Because they didn't want to relegate just uh, no teams, because then the second division would play for nothing. Oh, the, no, the, the reason was that there were going to be some teams who are coming up, the, the two teams who get promoted now in, at the beginning of 2016, are going to be dividing their played matches by 15 or 16 or 17. 
and everybody else is going to be dividing by far more than that, which gives everyone else a more of an advantage. So to not be too unfair, they're only going to get yeah, So we're just a little unfair. So it's a waste of time, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as Ferdinand puts it, just just a little bit unfair. I don't um, see why they don't relegate, say, three teams from from this short championship, uh, another three teams at the end of the year, and and take three teams up. Yeah, well, four teams and four teams. Then because you get it down to twenty six. Because that, at least. that would actually make sense. So yeah. that that's the you argument have, against. Yeah, it. you'll have four teams yeah. who don't play any football for six months, but it's fine. They can all go on holiday. Yeah. It's good. They shouldn't have gone down in the first place. <laughs> anyway, so we shall. As I say, we're trying to whip through all of these now because Andres is eager to get home in time to watch the uh, River versus Orakan match. So. Moving on to listeners' questions. Branner's Boot has the first one this month, and it's a very interesting this week. It's a very interesting one. He says, "Have any professional oh, footballers? Well. Uh, oh, you're right. It is the first question of this month. Uh, have any professional footballers ever come from the Falklands? Ooh. There is one. Really? Actually, professional is probably stretching it a bit. But there's a chap called Martin Clark, uh, who is. I'm slightly surprised that none of you have heard of him. Actually, he's reasonably well known within the Argentine football nerd community um, because in 1996, I think it was, um, when he was 16, mm-hmm. he got a trial with Boca Juniors, uh, and he stayed with them for I think a couple of years in their youth system. Never made it, and then he moved to England and, and had a couple no, of trials no, no. with with sides no, there. Um, Boca, he went on loan to El Pod Renier, apparently. Oh. Um, it could happen because any Kelpa who comes to the mainland automatically has Argentine citizenship. Yeah. So if anyone, I don't, I don't see a whole load waiting to get into Argentina, but if they do, they have a chance of playing alongside Messi. I'm going to unilaterally apologise to any listeners from the Falklands um, who are offended there because I've been told, this what? might be complete bullshit, but I've, I've been told, Dan, that Kelpa is a term that they don't like being referred to by. Really? Yeah. Right. That might Would be rubbish, know? as I say, so yeah. if, if you are from the Falklands, and in fact you're not offended by the term Kelpa, then I don't apologise. But if you are, and you are offended, then we do apologise. Oh, there you go. Um, and we also apologise to any Argentines for calling them the Falklands. This is an English language podcast, and that's what they're called in English. That There's is... no political uh, nonsense implied in our choice of word for I don't think nonsense is going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> we we but, do. Uh, let's carry on. We do thank Branner's Boot for what was actually a very interesting question, and uh, the only reason it got just a short answer is that I knew the answer, and the answer's sort of, but not really. Um, no, it's a very good um, Osvaldo Soriano short story that yeah. talks about an, an uh, Malvinas slash Falklands guy who came over to the mainland. Became a citizen and, and sort of wandered across, mm. which makes a good a good read. I can't remember the name of it, but it's worth yeah. tracking down. We'll look at that stuff. Uh, Will Dalton asks, "Who do the muchachos, that's us, think will be the next San Lorenzo manager, and who do they think should be the next San Lorenzo?" Manager? I think it's already decided. It's really? the Palestino guy that I can Pablo never Gere. remember. That Gedes, not Gedes, Gedes. Gedes, I think it's yes, Gedes. Kays uh, is a much better name. But Argentine. What can you do? <laughs> yeah, Argentine that I've never heard of. He before. managed uh, Chicago in the Metropolitana when they yeah. got the promotion. Uh, he has had some success at Palestina. I mean, yeah. He plays a very offensive kind of football, possession based. I remember playing against Palestina yeah. this this year. So in the they, Copa. They, they won't hold the line because yeah, not at all. Yeah, that's what I've heard. He's almost certain to take over. Pablo Gay. Yeah, lovely stuff. Mm-hmm. And who do we think should take over? Papa Yeah, Why since not? he's there, we'll give him a shot. So far, 
Some of the current board, I would say, have, have had... Uh, they have been brilliant. They, they've had to choose one manager since coming in, and they got the choice bang on when they had to replace Pizzi. Yeah, um, both of them. Have, the guy that brought it won the club's first ever Copa Libertadores. Mm-hmm. So I would say, trust him. I, I'm not a huge fan of Tinelli. I think he's a complete arsehole, but he appears to be a perfectly um, uh, competent club official yeah compared to a lot of the the show that are out there exactly yeah and what about Racing I I heard they they have called another time for second time uh, Marcelo Bielsa yeah (laughs) yeah Um, and he said thank you but no (laughs) no this is what I've heard if Bielsa were to accept the Racing job then that would surely mean that Milito's playing career is finished right because he's just very close to the press I mean it might be finished anyway but If Bielsa accepts I think job, you'd have to change a lot of the Racing team, not just yeah. Melita. But this is how I heard the conversation as it's been played back to me by by other journalists. Hello. Hello, Marcelo. We're calling you here from Racing. Uh, do you fancy coming to coach us this year? Ah, oh, you know, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I'm sure, why not? Um, I will need $4 million. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. That connection. So essentially, Bielsa decides to make them an offer they can't possibly accept. Yeah, he pressed himself just, out of the job. Yeah, he's too polite to Indeed. just turn down the job straight off. Yeah, the um, more realistic candidates would be Facundo Sava. I think mm-hmm. I talked about this a little last week. Yeah, he was brilliant. He is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, the question will be if he wants to break that link. I think he still has six or twelve months yeah, left in the contract. If he, if he gets the offer, Racing yeah, Racing weighs heavy. So then, I think his style as well. Kilmes have been very forward-looking under him, yeah. and mm-hmm. it would suit the current Racing squad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we have obviously the um, the South American Jose Mourinho, who is Gustavo <laughs> Costas. Um, Luis Ovelia creeps into that uh, into that shortlist. I'm not sure why. When he's obviously the best candidate for the under 20s who are still under Umbertito Grandona. What and is going to, on? To there? clarify, you're talking about the Argentina under 20s rather than Racing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Martito Grandona is still um, there. Although he did call up uh, the Santiago Lionel Messi, who is Venezuela, uh, Racing Kid, and Mancilla. <laughs> I have nicknames for everyone. And the Diego Martic, uh, the assistant from uh, Boca, from the Boca's manager, has also been linked to the under 20s. Mm. Oh, and then rounding up the shortlist for Racing would be uh, the Barasiquiloto twins. One of them is obviously has no link with Racing, but so the other twin, Gustavo, was a 2001 so title winner. So for the under 20, there won't be, they, they, they won't uh, accept the, the uh, Martino, uh, he wanted the Taylor to be there. Mm. He wanted to take over himself to then go on to the Olympics, but Umbertito is still there. I'm not entirely sure why, after that terrible uh, World Cup performance. Yeah. which like was replicated in the under 17s but that's another story I would like to ask Fede one question as well and because we're trying to do this quickly I'm going to put my stopwatch on and give you one minute to answer this Fede um, because during the break you were talking about uh, not being entirely happy with Aurora Barrena <laughs> if Boca are going to challenge for the Libertadores next year which they need to I think because yeah. in the last two years the Libertadores has been won by an Argentine side who won the Argentine league in the previous calendar mm-hmm. year so that's got to be Boca's aim aside from the fact that it always is Boca's aim when they're in the Libertadores do they need to change their manager as well and if so who do you think would be good to bring in you've got one minute starting now ok I'll try to keep it short uh, I'm not entirely sold on Aurora Arena 
I don't know if he has the the possibilities and the capabilities to to win a Copa Libertadores. The thing is, I, I can't really think of a of a better guy to to substitute him in the in the managing position. Uh, Guillermo Barzaquiloto was the the front runner for that job. He hasn't had uh, some great uh, last year or year and a half. So I mean, I really don't love Roborena, but I, I'm not sure there's a better option now. So mm -hmm. I would think he should stay, and hopefully he will shut me up and uh, prove to me he, he's a very decent coach. We should well, mention that. You managed that with 10 seconds to go, so well done. Thank we you. We should mention you that. the pressure on me. Yeah. That the day after Boca's title, the, the, the league title, he said that if Fanculici didn't win the presidency, if he wasn't re elected, he would leave too. So that's something to think about for, for yeah. Boca. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see the voting yeah. at Boca's president, presidential elections mm. in that case, isn't it? Um, Tom Robinson has one now that we've had from a listener, which is also aimed for Fede, I think. Uh, was Fernando Gago's injury a blessing in disguise for Boca? I, I don't know what he added in disguise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can I say about Gago? I, I love that guy. I mean, the first games when he arrived here, he was extraordinary. I guess Racing, I remember that game. He was, I mean, a, such a dominating performance. Uh, but then again, the injuries and uh, he has he had some very big mistakes against River, for example, in the Libertadores. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I'm not too sad he got injured sense. against River. That's what I'm going to say. I maintain that a fully fit, informed Gallo is an asset for any team. The problem is you only see that yeah, once that's, every That's a unicorn, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seeing more unicorns walking yeah. on the streets of Buenos Aires. Um, and yeah. Tom Robinson also asks, who is your favourite named player in the league? He says, for childish reasons, mine is Colon Ford Christian, and I'm going to spell the surname before I tell English speakers how it's pronounced. It's G-U-A-N-C-A, -A, and it's pronounced Wanka. <laughs> I'm going to agree with uh, Tom, I think, actually. It's quite difficult, if you're an English speaker, to not find that name amusing. Well, if you're <laughs> a Spanish other... speaker, you've got the the Telechias. The Telechias, oh, yeah. True, yeah. Surely, yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty much the same thing. And impossible to translate, third yeah. Third party. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I don't know if impossible, just <laughs> inappropriate for, <laughs> yeah. a, for a family for podcast. Audience, yeah. Get a dictionary. Uh, Lawrence Hart, Christian Wanka, of course, is entirely okay to say because that's his name. Sorry, there is another one, uh, Erramuspe, who is defender, and you say Erra, Erramuspe. It's a, that's in, fine as well, yeah. Explain this one for us, Andres. It's strange to call a player like, how do you say Errar in, in English? Miss, words? yeah. Uh, sorry, Miss. It's like calling yourself mi Miss, Miss something. It's. <laughs> And he, his surname starting with that, with that miss, and he's a defender. That's miss as in miss a shot rather than miss as in miss, miss world. Yes, yes. Me. Um, Lawrence Hart says, bearing in mind the changes in recording times for the last two pods, are Thursdays the new Wednesdays? The answer to that is no. Next week's podcast, the birthday podcast, will be on Wednesday night ahead of Argentina-Brazil um, and since you've given me the opportunity to mention it I may as well that for our fifth anniversary we've got flying down from Rio de Janeiro especially for the occasion Mr Vickery is going to be on hopefully it um, might have to be a little bit later if possible at eight well we'll see what the if you uh, can accommodate that it would we'll, be we'll, we'll see what Virginia has to say about that don't we we'll see uh, Lawrence also get him asks, drunk get him here at seven you give him a few fernets and 
anyone who I don't know where Dan is. Recorded. He said he was going to be here at half past six. Uh, yeah, Why yeah. is he not here? <laughs> um, hopefully he's not listening to this. Lawrence also asked a serious question. Could Bocca's double triumph enhance Macri's presidential bid? <sighs> no. <laughs> Surely not. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> and are there many cases of River fans not voting for him purely because of his Bocca connections? Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't think so. I don't know. You'd I mean, have to do a cross section of how many Boca yeah. fans vote for him because he's Macri and how many River fans. Some articles leaking the, 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 the our presidential candidates with the football and how. Crazy our societies for football. Well, yeah. in fairness, linking Macri to Boca is not obviously the, it's not the most the biggest stretch that you. Not can at make. all, but I, I don't think it has a big no. impact in the, the, the Irish border. No, the okay. funny thing is, you say that Macri's natural constituency for voters, uh, talking in class-wise in social standing, terms, yeah. would be it's the opposite River fans stereotypical River fans. Fan. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, he he got from the football atmosphere and mass as well. It has been linked to Tigre, uh, but I don't think it, it has any impact on the average voter. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, it's the only, no. It's the only linked with any club? Uh, no, he's no. a Boca fan, but no. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's always stayed out of it. Yeah. Um, one final, oh, two final questions. Uh, zero, that's just the number zero, uh, asks, how important is the Copa Argentina? I assumed that it was pretty irrelevant, but last night Boca looked genuinely delighted to have won it. We're going to put this then to, to Fede. How important is it? I think uh, I was really excited to to win the the Copa Argentina. It's our third title, mm. uh, actually, second in, in, the, what, in the current five format. Years since it was yeah, it's our second in this current format. Uh, we won one in '69. I think it's a very it's going to be in the future a very important tournament. Mm. It's Nowadays, getting there, I think. it's getting it's there. Getting there. Yeah. The, this edition was very interesting. A lot of teams uh, tried to to fill their best squads for the. For the later rounds, so it's going to it's catching on, I think, on the football. I can say from the other end as well, having gone to a final and lost, it's devastating. It's something you do want to win. You're not going to go to San Juan just to make a loss. We must have a real Boca there to to make it even more interesting. Yeah, that's not necessary. But uh, (laughs) there is something in Argentina that the relevant or not uh, of a title is if you win that title, it's it's relevant. So and when River wins the Copa Argentina, then it yeah, will be very well. I, I will give it importance. Right, when, I see what you mean. When River wins, of course, of course, and same as Bocas. And, <laughs> and it's kind of a weird one because in the early years of the Copa Argentina, we were saying that it's a competition that we like. It's a competition that should have come about sooner. Uh, it's a shame that they've allowed a travel agency to to be the promoters for it and mm. not to use it for just footballing reasons, um, as, as they do. Um, and that hasn't changed. And no, it hasn't changed. And there are going to be more sort of format changes to it next year. Which yeah, there's going, going to, to be, be fewer uh, La League teams. A lot fewer. Yeah, which, which is, is a happen. real shame. Yeah, similar to the Spanish Cup and not the English Cup. There. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. That's and um, and one of the things that I remember saying at one point to to Joel. Uh, to Joel Richards was that we sort of said well what what it needs is for a tiny club from like the Primera de or something to fluke their way through to the latter stages <laughs> it's and did the one say but you know what I mean to, 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 Deportivo to Merlo also got to exactly, a semi-final yeah, yeah it's happened it, it needs somebody to to give the now that people are paying attention to it to, to give the the competition that kind of the FA Cup kind of the magic of the cup sort of vibe and yet in Argentina where you have this kind of poisonous atmosphere where even after Boca's Copa Argentina win last night, 
it then just degenerated after about half an hour after full time to River and Boca fans slagging each other off on Twitter about being a Bandaradores or oh, having Kirate Gas or whatever. That happens even you when someone think, talks about their lunch. Exactly. But, but then you kind of think, avoid. actually, you know what? The last thing the Copa Argentina needs, in a way, is for a lower league team to have a good run because then the fans of whoever are the big rivals of whichever big club got knocked out by that team are just going to take the piss out of them and say, oh, it's a Copa de Leche and all the rest of it. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's an, a no-win situation. And but. Darren Paul gets in with the final question of the night, which is, for approximately how many hours a day does nightclub Nunez lift weights? Well, he's had, <laughs> he's had the entire year. He's got very little else to do. <laughs> yeah, since he, he injured his leg, so he just had to do some upper body. Like, he was looking good. He came so he on... walk around on his hands. Nah, nah, nah. He came on, actually, against Crucero. Mm. I think he played the last 20 minutes. And he was, he was looking pretty good, little pretty sprightly. And also, just to carry on, it was... Fairly opportune that question, as <laughs> as Nunez today. Uh, no, the clubs Racing and Liverpool, which is Argentine Racing and Uruguay and Liverpool, yeah. to, to clarify, agreed an extension of his loan. So he will now be staying until December two thousand and sixteen. This that, presumably is to give him a chance to actually play for Racing. <laughs> yeah, no, he played a few games and he looked fantastic before his injury, which is why he's already a. Uh, uh, a favourite on the terraces, yeah. the discoteca. Yeah. So there's gonna be there's gonna be disco for a while in Racing. Good to hear. Um, hopefully, we'll actually get to talk about him some in that case next year. And um, oh yeah, he's gonna score thirty. Next year. Um, we are now going to Mystic Sam's theme music. After which, Mystic Sam is going to rattle very quickly through his last weekend predictions for 2015 um, as quickly as possible because Andres is really itching to leave. Andres, <coughs> do you want to go now? No, no, it's okay. Well, Five minutes stay. more. I, I, okay. Uh, <laughs> I can wait until now. I can wait. And then we will be turning on the television, or I'll be turning on the television to watch Riffering as well as I can. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Here we go. This weekend has been a difficult one to predict because so many of the teams have nothing to play for. So many of the teams have something to play for that's not entirely clear. And um, only really sort of three or four of the teams actually have something concrete uh, to go for. But I'm going for the following. Lanús against Sarmiento is the only match on Friday evening and I think it's going to be a draw. You're going to get used to hearing those words during this prediction phase. Estudiantes de la Plata. And Union de Santa Fe is going to be Union's fifth nil-nil draw in their last... Uh, it will be eight matches by the time Could it's I finished. make a slight suggestion, matches, Sam? Sorry, go on. If it's not too much trouble. While you're going through the games, could you say what the teams have got to play for? If it's Durantes can get into the... Will, yes. Lanus and if it's not too much trouble. No, no, that, that's a good point. Lanús and Sarmiento have nothing to play for right. either. I think Lanús are already in this... Uh, or Sarmiento are already in the Sudamericana. I think of course you're not agree Both of them. No, 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 it's fine. I was getting the, the league point there. Lanús and Sarmiento are 14th against 23rd. So Sarmiento have a potential Sudamericana scraping in place to play for, but it's unlikely. Right. Estudiantes against Union is going to be a draw. That is, they're both fairly solidly within the playoff spots. Estudiantes can knock themselves up into the Libertadores playoffs. Probably will, because of the fact that River and Central are already in any way automatically. Um, and that's going to be a draw. Chicago against Quilmes, these were written on the AFA's original schedule, which is why they're out of order compared with how it's actually going to be played. But Chicago against Quilmes, I'm going for, I'm afraid, I'm sorry Chicago fans, a draw. 
Uh, obviously, Chicago are going for um, survival there, but uh, they've got a very impressive recent record, but none of those matches' recent results have been against time teams anywhere near as good as QMS. San Martin against Arsenal vs R&D, which is a clash of two teams who are not playing for anything, really, because San Martin are already quite comfortably inside the sort of American playoff zone. Um, is going to be a, another draw. Defensa Justicia against Godoy Cruz. I think Defensa Justicia are going to win that one. Um, Defensa 20th, on the verge of Sudamericana qualification. Godoy Cruz are, where is it, 22nd. Uh, one point behind and can, oh sorry, no, they're level on points in fact. I'm basically going for Defensa to get that on thanks to home advantage. Um, Colón against Gimnasia y Grima La Plata. I think is a draw. Probably quite a good game. Possibly, given that Colón played well last weekend. Colón are 21st, so they can still get in the Sudamericana. Gimnasia are very comfortably in the Sudamericana and with home advantage already secured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tempele versus Argentinos Juniors is going to be a draw. Tempele are playing to stay up. Argentinos are playing for nothing in particular. Both of them are shit. Um, Olimpo against Banfield is going to be a draw. <laughs> That's mostly because Banfield are a decent side. Olimpo have got a tricky home record, and neither of them are actually playing for very much. Independiente against Vélez Sarsfield is going to be an Independiente win. Yeah, that. Independiente have already, I think, secured home advantage in the Sudamericana playoffs. Um, but Vélez are awful, as we already mentioned, and Independiente are rather good, even with a second-string midfield, which they're likely to have. I think Independiente will win that. River Plate versus Newell's Old Boys is something that neither side have got anything to play for. River are likely to play, I think, a mixed team after tonight's game, but Newell's are almost as bad as Vélez in some ways, and I think River are going to get a win um, to see their fans off happy for the, well, in fact, the Copa Sudamericana second leg of the semi-finals and possibly final in the Club World Cup and all the rest of it so it's not just off for the summer um, Huracan against Belgrano is oh god what are they playing for that's a very good Huracan for the relegation Huracan are yet relegation. safe from relegation of course yeah, Belgrano could sneak up and Belgrano could get home advantage in the Libertadores playoffs if they win um, I think that Belgrano are going to win that mostly because Huracan are playing tonight and have just got uh, three days two day, yeah three days to, to prepare for that match afterwards Atletico de Rafaela against San Lorenzo San Lorenzo playing for automatic Copa Libertadores qualification and that is all you really need to know Atletico de Rafaela are not very good San Lorenzo are very good um, and they're going to win that match Rosario Central against Boca Juniors mm-hmm. I have a sneaking feeling that particularly after the way that last night's final went Boca with the title decided um, and with the controversy last night and the need to get out of the stadium alive, might just let Central win that one. They might just uh, particular. Uh, plus, I suspect that Boca are going to field essentially a reserve side, and I think Central are going to finish quite a strong team. Boca um, asked, asked for protection for to go to Rosario. I think uh, I have this on Twitter right now. As, as I would, would walk over that game. Yeah, I wouldn't send anyone. Yeah. Mm. Take the win, whatever. Is yeah. it Robert Reina? Yeah, I would right? send the Copa Argentina. And then send your assistant. Just send the Copa Argentina. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Take, it, take, take it. a look at it. Yeah. Uh, Always T- abandoning. Always abandoning <laughs> these block offense. Tigre versus Racing. Racing, of course, are also going for second place. They could leapfrog San Lorenzo and Central. Well, they yeah, they could leapfrog San Lorenzo and Central if the others drop points. Uh, if two teams, by the way, finish level on points for second place, they will have to play a tiebreaker in uh, in a neutral stadium. 
uh, at some point in the next few days. I'm going to go for Racing to beat Tigre in that one. Tigre are already securely in the Sudamericana uh, playoffs, securely with home advantage. Um, and Crucero de Norte against Aldo Civi. The last Mystic Sam prediction you will ever hear, possibly, for a Crucero del Norte it's match, so. unless they come straight back up, and I really don't think they're going to. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for Aldo Civi to win it, because Aldo Civi are a competent football team, and Crucero del Norte are not. Mm. If, by the way, that last one comes true, then since the Copa America, Crucero del Norte will have won one point from 15 matches, and that point will have been when they were 3-0 up with 15 minutes to go against Huracan <laughs> in their own stadium, and drew 3-3. And that point just could save Uragan from relegation. It might very well end up doing that, yeah. One um, thing we haven't talked about, we could do it very quickly. Oh, go on who, we've talked about who mm. will or might be going down from the pre- Primera. Who's going to go up? Uh, one of those places, at least, has already decided, is it? Ah, tell is me it? I believe, because, bringing up the Nacional Bay as quickly as I possibly can now, uh, Atletico Tucumán have finished oh blimey yes there are 42 games uh, in total in the Nacional base season everybody's played 40 so far and Atletico Tucumán are oh they're three points clear at the top sorry and it's only first place that goes up automatically so it's looking very much like Atletico Tucumán mm-hmm. um, for first and then the playoffs at the moment the playoff spots are Patronato de Paraná Ferrocarril Oeste Santa Marina de Tandil that's Club and Library Santa Club Marina library. de Tandil and Instituto de Córdoba but Instituto and Villa Dalmine on in six they're actually level on points so they would have to play a desempate a tiebreaker first of all um, Instituto this week their directors their directors asked the fans to give them a hand paying the salaries because they're <laughs> broke of course yeah I forgot about Brilliant, that yeah. I'll say right now that I'd be very tempted to just not anymore have a problem and never again call the 30 team league a ridiculous stupid bloody idea if Ferro and Santa Marina get into the Primera it'll be a Ferro because they're a club I very much like and of course they're one of Hander Pod's supported clubs because original Hander Pod member Australian Dan is a Ferro fan Mm -hmm. um, even though he's no longer with us unfortunately that is he's gone back to Australia he didn't die and Club and and Library Santa Marina de Tandil I would love to get in the Primera purely because they're called Club and Library which I think is an excellent reason Um, but yeah that's, that's the situation at the moment there we go so thank you, sir. It's looking like Atletico Tucumán are up. So that'll be done in. They won't stop for the international well, break. They they'll, won't stop. No, they they finish on the fifteenth. Round forty-two is on the weekend of the fifteenth. Yeah. Um, so by my birthday, we'll know the identity of at least one of the newly promoted teams, and they surely can't be any worse than Cruzeiro Norte. No, no, no. Surely it would be staggeringly surprising yeah. if they were. Although I was making this point to. Someone else I can't remember this week. For a 30-team league, which is obviously massively bloated, there's been a surprisingly few Off number team. of number of mismatches. You had Crucero, who were obviously were a lot worse than than the rest of the league. But then the other 29, you didn't have many many well, kind of yeah, really I, unfair. I, I, will, I will agree with that, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, newly promoted teams uh, yeah. have have done. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. I think we've seen in the Copa Argentina as well that the the second division and even third division Metropolitana Federal A teams have always held their own against uh, teams. teams from the Primera. So I think if I might, one thing that that's been notable has been the difference between the top kind of five or six and the rest maybe, of the maybe seven, given the River are currently seventh, and and that bottom sort of 
yeah. quarter of the... This possibly has more to do with the, the kind of the big five reimposing themselves after no, all those years of being I think it has rubbish. More to, I think it has more to do with the fact that the bottom quarter of the table are the teams mm. who are clearly not good enough to be in an actual top flight more than anything else. Um, possibly, possibly. But anyway, we are now going to say goodbye. There are five minutes until Riffa vs. Rakan kicks off. Join me after the theme music. Um, when I will tell you what the result of River vs. Orican is. Andres is already putting his jacket on. <laughs> we will say thank you once again to the Argentina Independent for providing the alcohol, which has allowed us to run over, as usual, this week. Um, they're a fine source of English language news, current affairs, photo essays, historical pieces, and everything else you can think of from Argentina and across Latin America. And you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com or follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indy. That's Argentina, I-N-D-Y. Thank you very much to them for their support throughout 2015. And thank you and goodbye now from um, Andres. Goodbye, thank you. Thank you from English Dan. Goodbye and thank you very much. From champion of Argentina, Fede. Latina, thank you. <laughs> and it took over. Yeah. I passed him on... Uh, <laughs> I pass the baton on. Indeed, and for me, thank you and goodbye. And this is your full-time podcast, full-time River Huracan score check. Huracan got a very, um, just about merited 1-0 win away to River thanks to a rather fluky first half goal from Cristian Espinosa when a clearance hit his shin and looped over Marcelo Barroero to go in which means that after the first leg of the Copa Sudamericana semi-finals it's uh, 1-1 between Luqueño and Independiente Santa Fe and uh, with the second leg to go in Colombia um, in three weeks time I think it is and 1-0 to Huracan ahead of the second leg in El Palacio, Huracan Stadium, also in three weeks' time.